politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze Media. Daniel Horowitz back in the house for another new exciting week of true independent conservative talk. No platitudes, no groupthink, just the plain unvarnished truth. Now, as always, we have the mix of anarchy and tyranny percolating through every corner of the country. And I mean every corner of the country. You see, we don't have a place in this country, country of 3,000 counties, more than that, where we could necessarily escape from either the tyranny or the anarchy and violence of the BLM terrorists. Theoretically, they can come anywhere. And increasingly, they are, and certainly the tyranny is everywhere. I'm going to juxtapose two stories, one on the virus, one on the BLM stuff, which you know about already, and you'll see exactly what I mean. And what that demonstrates, as I've been pounding away for so long, is the asymmetry between the two sides. Everyone talks about this great deep rift in the country between right and left, whatever that even means, traditionalists and you know so-called progressives who are actually very regressive in their thinking as we see with the virus, as we see with the manufacturing of products that don't work, as we see with values, family life deteriorating. But in reality... When you look at the policy outcomes, it's basically socialism versus communism. Bad or worse. Like, you have areas that are sm- have smaller cities. They're not quite as bad as Portland and Chicago and L.A. and New York, but they're still pretty bad. And that all speaks to the failure of our side to field a team, to have real men on the field that will stand up for us. And I must say, that is the fault of all all of us for being complacent, for sitting as a silent majority, hoping to, to wait out whatever problem we're confronted with, often going along with it and even enabling it, thinking we could ransom our way out of this, when no, you have no choice but to stand and fight. So we're going to get to all that. Why we have no choice to stand and fight with BLM, why we have no no choice to stand and fight with the corona fascism, the more we see epidemiologically what is going on here, this was never about science or public health or private health. It was always about control. And now if, if good people continue to do nothing, evil will persist and this will become our new Afghanistan. So if you are okay with kids constantly being reared in fear, masks and plexiglass, the ability for you to walk free, not be monitored, if you want to long for a day where when that is going to end, you must take action. If you think you can merely just fill out a ballot for Donald Trump, or whoever, and that's going to change things, well, you could always move to China, or for that matter, Australia, 
which uh, as, as many of you are seeing, there's not much of a difference, really no difference at all. You have, there's this video circulating in Melbourne showing a police car literally running someone over and they get out and stomp on the guy's head, the guy's in a coma now, for protesting. So, right, in Australia, you're, you're, you're not allowed to protest. So, at this point, we better utilize our ability to still protest while we can. Because that window is closing. I never would have imagined that America would be worse off than so many other countries. I mean, I guess not Australia, but but a lot of others. We're seeing throughout the world large, large protests against the mask wearing. In America, I barely see that. The only organized so-called protests we see are terrorists that are beating and harming innocent people. Why have we ceded the streets to them? And the answer is because we have been complacent. In the battle between left and right, there is only one side on the field. Their values maybe will be a little bit more evident in a so-called blue area than a red area, but they are still pretty evident. So many of you have saw over the weekend, I'm sure all of you by now, in Lancaster, we have a knife-wielding guy beating his spouse or significant other or whatever it was. I don't know what it is with BLM and rioting and and uh, abuse of women. It seems like they all do that. I mean, that was the guy in Kenosha. So now in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we have the same thing. We actually find out now that just a year ago, this man was arrested for stabbing four people. Now you might ask, well, Daniel, why isn't he in jail? See, this is the other big thing. Aside from the rioting, what this is doing is peeling off the scab of the under-incarceration problem that you have heard about only on this show for the last five years, that for all the talk of how we incarcerate everyone, we actually incarcerate nobody. Oh, Danny, no, no, we, it, 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 uh, I'm just talking about the low-level offenders. Yeah, like stabbing? People who do the most violent things over and over again and have long rap sheets, I think he had other stuff too. They don't serve any jail time. They plea down. We accept the plea because it's so hard to get victims and witnesses to testify. Even when they do, they get little to no prison time. And here we go. This is something we could have stuffed in its hole several months ago. But Jared Kushner and Jerome Smith, oh, no, 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 no. We, we have to show we have to win the black vote. So now we have basically created a baseline in this country and a baseline expectation that so long as the skin tone of your skin is is sufficiently dark, you have the right to beat, murder, attack. No one has the right to self-defense against it, whether it's a policeman or a civilian. They could charge you with a knife and you have to be stabbed. You're not allowed to shoot them. And if you do... There is an expectation and a right to riot. And if you think back to almost every Senate Republican, not just failing to call out BLM as a terrorist group, but downright saying, yeah, we are all the BLM. Yes, a great agenda. You had the Iowa governor meeting with them 
and at their behest, releasing criminals. Or, or I'm sorry, not releasing them, but restoring a felon's right to vote. In the state of Iowa, we have wasted all these months legitimizing it. So guess what happens? When you say that you have a valid grievance, we grieve with you. Oh, yes, you are. There is racism against you. And really, it's the other way around. Well, it's just going to encourage more of it. Now, the biggest observation I had about this, I just wanted to talk about for a minute because it's the main point we're, we're talking about today with geography. There is a man on Twitter, uh, one of our followers, Alexander, Alexander Rogers, I retweeted something from him where he basically said something to the effect of, look, this is the heart of Amish country. It's a rural area. Even a, even a place like Lancaster, nobody is safe from BLM. And I retweeted it. And what's funny is I'm just going to deviate a little bit from my message, um, just take a little bit of a detour. I don't usually get into petty like social media online riffs and whatever, but I just want to point out the stupidity of some of the discourse on on social media. Uh, you you have you know you know how sometimes you have these hyper um, literalist like I call them the Amelia Bedelia people. If you get the analogy there from the Amelia Bedelia children's books where it's like you have a very powerful, valid point, but they'll take something you say very literal. Like, So a bunch of people have been spamming me, what are you talking about, Daniel? You're so stupid. You don't know the difference between Lancaster City and Lancaster County. That's not rural. That's not Amish. Oh, that's a city. And like, what's your point? And dude, you missed the whole point. I understand this was in Lancaster City. I get it. But dude, if we are now at the point where we have ceded to violence any city at all, and the only place where we could either have serenity or conservative governance are tiny rural counties, then we're really screwed. Then we're really screwed. Oh, no, that's a city. I live in a county that's not... Don't tell me that that's rural. I live in a, in a county that doesn't have anything like the size of Lancaster. I get it. But for goodness sakes, Lancaster is a city of 69,000 people. I understand that's big compared to an entirely rural county where maybe the biggest city will be 10,000, even 5,000 or less. I get that. But dude, I mean, typically what we've grown up with is the riding in LA and New York, Chicago, okay, maybe Nashville, Memphis, you go down to Kenosha and now Lancaster. I mean, if we are at the point where this is going to happen uncontrolled, even in a place like Lancaster, we are done. Now, look, the good news, let me just say a little bit of good news here. So far, the reaction of the Lancaster PD seems pretty good. So maybe we are seeing a little bit of a difference and maybe the, the redness of the area is coming out. But I'm just telling you, I'm just making a point. If we are now basically just stuffed into only rural counties, you can't even have a small city. And yes, that is a small city, no matter how you slice it. You know, in the scheme of things, if we're going to see that, we're done. So, I mean, yeah, I get it. The Amish live in the countryside. They're not in the actual city of Lancaster. That's not the point. So whatever. I mean, sometimes people are just really annoying. But again, this shouldn't even get off the ground in these areas. And this is going to be a big test. 
do we stuff it in the hole? Hopefully we do. But what I'm telling you, we are beleaguered and besieged. You cannot run away from this. You cannot run away from it in, ter in terms of the anarchy, but in terms of the tyranny as well. I got an email from Maria, a listener, and this is another thing that just breaks my heart because it really um, speaks to me. I live in Maryland, so I'm surrounded by Delaware, Virginia, Pennsylvania. They all have, you know, radical governors. Where could I go to escape the tyranny? Where we actually have science, law, the Constitution, prudence, respect for individual rights, driving our policies as it relates to the virus and everything else. Well, you think, look, you know, the panhandle of West Virginia is just an hour away from me. Maybe I'll go to West Virginia. But alas, West Virginia is may as well be Maryland. Dear Daniel, it's from an email from Maria. The governor of West Virginia and his advisors have completely lost it. The benchmarks for schools to meet in order to be able to open for in-person education are preposterous. My family and I just moved to Putnam County, West Virginia, from Northern Virginia. Okay, so so I mean, so she's kind of like me. Similar story. I'm in Maryland. She's in Northern Virginia, very liberal area. You know what? I'm going to move my family. I'm going to take the leap and move out to West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> we're debating over what's small town, what's rural. Well, you ain't going to get better than that. Okay? So this is where we are. This is a state where Trump carried every single county. And Trump country, Trump should be able to have a lot of influence here, be able to wield this pressure. Obviously, they're not going to listen to... um to, uh, what do you call it? They're not going to listen in places where, you know, you have lockdown Larry or the Virginia governor, but you would expect this guy, Justice, Governor Justice, very injustice, you would expect that someone like that would be, you know, he, he always likes to say how tight he is with, with Trump. But here we go. We have another fake Democrat who became a Republican because the state flipped and because, you know, they like Trump there. And guess what? Here we are with the tyranny. And clearly, justice is not being held accountable. And this is what I mean when you have this administration where you have Scott Atlas doing good work, but then you'll have Burks and Fauci out there who are just totally undermining the message and they're going around saying counties need to shut down they need to do this you want to tell me oh look there's nothing trump could do this is uh this is maryland this is virginia but west virginia so anyway maria says schools were supposed to reopen uh day, day after labor day but our county was and is still orange so the governor has prohibited the schools from opening what is orange? 10 to 25 cases per 100,000 on a seven-day rolling average. Our county currently has 95 active cases. Only two people have died since the entire beginning of the pandemic. Both people who died were at or above the age of life expectancy. Population of Putnam County is 57,000. So now, let me just tell you something. Putnam County, you know, a lot of you are like, Daniel, come on, don't tell me 
you know, Lancaster's rural, the city is 69,000. I live in a county where the entire county has fewer people than Lancaster City. Well, Putnam County is one of those counties. Trump carried Putnam County by roughly a 50-point margin. And yet, she, Maria, our listener, living in Putnam County, essentially has my same problem living outside of Baltimore. There is the imbalance. Now, by the way, I just want to say that they do have a rally today. So, you know, hopefully I'll have a good turnout, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Virginia State Capitol, Governor Justice Dismantle, your color-coded system. This clown needs to be held accountable. If we can't wield our influence in a state like West Virginia, in a place like Putnam County, if the county officials, and I don't know who they are there, but in all those counties, can't push back at a county level, Heck, we had a guy in a swing county from the state of New York, Rensselaer County Executive, on the show talking about how he pushed back. Where are these guys? Pathetic. Because the problem is, clearly, we do not believe in our views as much as the other side does theirs. And we're not willing to fight. Because this is the problem I'm having in my own neighborhood, community. So I pulled my kids out of the private school. So it's funny, we're hearing from the parents and my uh, my son who gets together with his friends, you know, we're tr- you know trying to still keep up with them, obviously, so he doesn't lose that while he's homeschooling. And we hear different stories, what's going on, and now they have this major crisis. They're, they're at a tipping point whether to close all the schools in the area. The public schools aren't open, but the private schools, most of them did open with child abuse. And they're like, we're going to do the mess and we're going to kiss up to the government and show them that we're listening and we're going to have a plexiglass. We're going to put the kids in cages and we're going to we're going to test everyone and look and and, and we're not going to have a problem. Well, as I noted, if you go and you test and detect what is essentially a trace, a.k.a. a vaccine, where you're getting immune to something through no or little symptoms. I remember one year I got the flu vaccine. I could swear I felt very sick that day. I don't mean very sick, but you know what I mean. I felt very, like, kind of ugly. That's what a vaccine does. I mean, sometimes you don't feel anything. Sometimes you do. We are taking a blessing of God and turning it into a curse. And, like, in many ways... I could appreciate if you have a parent body of a school where they buy into this. You know, they, they buy into the panic porn. I mean, that, so at least they are gripped by the psychosis. So, you know, until you heal the psychosis, they're going to act accordingly. But I'm sorry to say, the overwhelming majority, at least, you know, this, the parent body in the schools, private schools in my area, that I talk to, they're upset. They're very upset about this. Because what ha- what happens is, so by the way, it's interesting. It's not like you have a class with 70% of people infected, which again demonstrates that that would show that kids spread it. They don't. It's one or two in each grade. You have a one here, one there, a teacher here, a teacher there. They get it from the home. Clearly, they're not spreading it there, or at least not to a large degree, especially not, you know, uh, you know, um, under high school. High school might be a little bit more spread. And no hospitalizations. Nobody, the, the ERs are like empty here. The head ER doctor, one of the major hospitals, put out a video um, in our area. And he was like, we haven't had anyone in the ICU for months. Um, it's a case-demic. It's attenuated. It's a cold. 
Um, what are we doing? This is utterly insane. And look, you know, you have all these specialists like these endocrinologists and uh, radiologists that they're, they're giving all their opinions, but it's the ER doctors that are going to see the evolution of this virus and they're going to understand what is and what isn't happening. Even the few people who go to the hospital, they're just scared. It's totally subclinical. They might have a cough and fever. Um, and this is the new threshold. We are essentially testing to detect a vaccine. I was joking around, but this is not a joke. We could even have a vaccine eventually and everyone gets it. And well, if we still do PCR testing, they'll pick up a positivity of a vaccine and then that's, that's going to become a problem. The vaccine's going to become a problem. You know how I know this? Because it's essentially happening now. What they are essentially picking up is a vaccine. I've said this again. They're like, oh my gosh, the positivity is going up. The cases are growing up. We have it in schools. We have it in our neighborhood. And I say, how many people are having trouble breathing? How many people are put on oxygen? Oh, well, zero. So in that case, it's actually better. We are actually better off having the cases for two reasons. A, you get immunity on the cheap. And B, it demonstrates that you no longer have to fear it. Meaning, if there's no cases, so you could always have this, oh, wait till the winter, it's going to come back with a vengeance, and then maybe people will die. But if you're having it and nobody's having problems anymore, well, that's the best of all. Like, they're putting out all like 50,000 cases in, in colleges. I have not found a single clinical level case reported in the media. Not one. This is utterly maniacal. It's immoral. It's illogical. And the point is, if we don't rise up, it will become our Afghanistan, where you can never get out of it. Because there's always going to be a bad gun-toning guy running around in Afghanistan. So if that is a pretext for us having to be there, 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 there is no end to it. My buddy Kyle Lamb, we have him on the show a lot from rationalground.com, he put out an interesting note on Twitter that the current total hospitalization in the entire U.S. with a positive COVID result, okay, is nine per 100,000. Now, I want to put that in perspective for a minute. These are not nine per 100,000 people are in the hospital with acute respiratory distress syndrome. These are nine out of 100 people are in a hospital that have tested positive. We're testing everyone who comes to the hospital, pregnant women, anyone, literally a lot of, the, most of them are asymptomatic. So I would bet you eight out of nine of those are subclinical. It's probably more like one out of 100,000 is clinical, if not less than that, if not one out of a few hundred thousand. At the peak of the flu season, okay, this past flu season, which was a relatively light one, not 2018, there were 30 to 45 confirmed hospitalizations per 100,000. And again, those is the symptoms driving it because we don't test like crazy. Um, so, I mean, imagine, imagine if you would have a dashboard where you have how many people are in the hospital in, during flu season with a positive flu test. 
That's tons of people because tons of people have the flu that come in for other things. And then again, we've noted many times that there is a significant element as there really are with all respiratory viruses because of that inherent herd immunity that I want to talk about, but it's only partial immunity (laughs) that makes them asymptomatic. So a number of them have asymptomatic flu. Imagine if we tested every asymptomatic flu person and used that as a pretext for shutdown, mask wearing, closing schools, you know what they have in, in these schools here so that anyone who's in the grade has to quarantine. Um, anyone who's in a carpool has to quarantine. Anyone who was exposed has to quarantine. Oh, and if you're wearing a mask, that's still uh, exposure. Isn't it? Isn't it funny how they have it both ways? Like, at least if you're going to be a mask Nazi, then say, oh, the mask is great. So at least if you have it, so masks block cases, but, well, they don't block cases, so you get them anyway. Um... But then once you get them, well, I was wearing a mask, so I'm good, right? Well, no, not really, because you could still get it. Oh, whoops. I I love how the truth comes out when they'll only use the mask to um, control you, control your body, but not as an exit from the tyranny. Because, again, it's not about science, it's all about tyranny. So they play both ends of the stick. By the way, it's kind of funny. Um, A buddy of mine put out on Twitter a chart of Israel, the cases skyrocketing. Now, again, mind you, the death rate is really not that much more than a typical flu season there. They have like, you know, a little over a thousand deaths, which they they typically get about 1,200 for uh, (coughs) flu season. But, you know, again, cases are everything, right? They had a mask mandate with a fine in place and the police are going around enforcing it for months, months before the spread. It is the biggest lie and joke in the world. But here we are chasing our tail. The lower the virus gets, the more we seek to detect it, the more detection of what is not only like a minor ailment, it's almost a blessing. It's a vaccine at this point that is now turned into a curse and pretext to panic as if it's Ebola. That's what we're doing now. Now, meanwhile, I'm sitting and laughing at all these people because I was like, dude, I warned you guys. I pulled out. But I said to one of my friends, I was like, look in the damn mirror. Stop complaining. You're you're at fault. Okay? What if 200 parents signed a letter? You know, usually like, These petitions that you have politically for the country are meaningless, you know, no one cares. But if you have a private organization with a small confined population and and a good chunk of them sign a letter and saying we're done with this, that would have influence. But are you even calling the school? No. So you could have a school where you have five Karens and 200 normal people, but if none of the 200 normal people get in their face and actually do something about it, guess which direction they're going to be pulled in. It is, it is us. We have met the en- enemy, and it, it, is, it is us. We are the enemy. For evil to persist, it takes good people doing nothing. If you think you could wish this away, you could wait this out, you are seriously mistaken. I, I want to make something very clear. I, I, I said a point you know, I've been pushing this notion of a 20% threshold. But I want to be very careful. I, I am not changing my tune, and I've said this all along. 
the way I describe that is 20% seroprevalence, where people had enough of the virus to produce antibodies in, in a given test. But it doesn't mean that in a harder hit area you can't find more because what it means is some were hit so lightly the antibodies go away. But again, as we proved, it's been proven, they, they, they're still immune to it. So at any given time, you're only going to detect that, but it doesn't mean that in total only 20% had antibodies, right? Because they the, the weaker end of it does wane. Moreover, What we are seeing, so, well, let me first ask the question, then I'll give the answer. So the problem everyone says, well, Daniel, you see some of these places in, in the Northeast that they seem to be getting it now again. I thought, I thought they were immune. Are they getting it or are they getting it? What they are immune to is people dropping dead to the degree they were in New York in March, okay? So that you're not having anymore. But when we said there's immunity, it doesn't mean that nobody, if you stick a swab up their nose, you can't freaking detect a vaccine. The reason we said it is because there's only that percentage that is not immune enough that, they, that, that their body is going to fight it with antibodies. The rest, the T cells and the B cells take care of it. But what they are seeing with cases is not a, a refutation to what I said. It's proof to it. They're showing that they have it but they're not getting meaningful symptoms. That is the T-cell immunity that these PCR tests are detecting. It's a joke. You have that in Minnesota, more than 50% of the cases, they say now, are impossible to spread to someone. Again, the virus slows down when you hit that marker. Slowing down means that you no longer see an epidemic. An epidemic is defined by something that you cannot miss. You see the bodies. You see the serious elements coming into the ERs. That's an epidemic. Which again, we do have to a certain degree every flu season, which we're now going to discover, of course. And that's going to be panic. But if you have to downright test for something to find out that you have it, that's not an epidemic. You're discovering that partial immunity. And let me give you an example of this. Tennessee. This is from the Tennessee Star. Roughly 70% of inmates at the Pamunkey Regional Jail recently tested for COVID-19 are positive, causing the facility to go on lockdown, jail officials said in a statement Wednesday. <clears throat> now you might say, Daniel, well, that's 70%, right? Now, remember, th these are not antibody tests. These are PCR tests. I doubt you're going to find anywhere where you have 70% antibody levels. The facility, which takes offenders from the town of Ashland, Hanover, and Caroline counties, and the U.S. Marshal Service can hold up to 549 inmates, but currently houses only 382. Now, Three staff and 12 inmates' test, tests were still pending at the laboratory. One staff test was inconclusive, which required a retest. <laughs> so you see how much they're, they're really showing it. Now, here is the buried line in that article for those that don't know how to read news stories. There have been no hospitalizations or deaths 
and the vast majority of positive staff and inmates were asymptomatic or showing mild symptoms. According to Willett, this is the official there. This is a microcosm of what we're seeing. So I want to make it very clear because you're going to see these stories. Oh, even the places that hit 20%, you're finding it. Are you finding hospitalizations at 20% seroprevalence? Or are you finding cases? Because again, what we're saying that 20% seroprevalence represents the fact that you have reached the serious nature of it. It doesn't mean that there aren't people left that still weren't exposed, could be exposed, and will test positive. But it means that in conjunction with the T-cell and B-cells, you're done with any serious symptoms in any large numbers. That's called breaking the back of a virus. That's called no longer an epidemic. That's called a seasonal cold or flu. This is the story we're seeing everywhere. We're seeing it in in Europe. I told you it's unbelievable. Someone put out an amazing graphic on Twitter juxtaposing the testing levels. You see like everything is dark shaded. You know, dark means like very like, like outbreak. And then they readjust it for only those that have live viruses currently. So that's another thing, by the way. A lot of the guys, it's not just that they're asymptomatic. They currently, it's dead. They had it before and it's still picking it up. That's a whole nother thing. You put this all together and we are now worse off than we were. Because I've said this before in March. Okay, so you're like, all right, there's an epidemic. So when it's over, it's over. Now the fact that they have now created a new normal that as long as we test in microscopic trace levels, which is often not just not a, a bad thing, it's a good thing. I mean, let me tell you, I have our newborn baby, which is not, not such a newborn anymore. She's five months. She's lived, lived her entire life with an abnormal country. And she has lived more of her life with a... um congestion with congestion than than without it she's always congested in fact like when i'm half dead at night and my wife um is nursing her which i still don't understand like how she does this every night because um the baby really runs a tight ship like every two two and a half hours still doing that stuff like a newborn gets up and i hear her snorting while she's you know she has trouble drinking because (laughs) she's stuffed up if you would swat, test her, do you know how many pathogens you could find? But you know what that is? That's God's immunology. That is precisely why children are not having a problem with this virus. Because they get traces of other coronaviruses and even a trace of this virus. Which is not enough to cause meaningful problems. And we're now making that A bad thing. But you know what? This is where we are. This is where we are. You you look at the pivot now. You look at all the articles out. Governor J.B. Pritzker from Illinois. Okay? 
mask up, keep your distance, wash your hands, and now make sure you get your flu shot. Well, what is it? What is this? What do you mean the flu shot? Are you comparing this to the flu? Well, yes, he is. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, preventing the flu will help us save lives and preserve the health core resources we have to fight COVID-19. So again, so now you have to, I mean, they laughed at us when we said, if you do this for this, you're gonna have to do it for the flu. You are a Holocaust denier. This is the worst thing killing so many people. How dare you compare it to the flu? Now like, yeah, you know, the flu is kind of a problem. I mean, like I said, if we are at nine hospitalizations per 100,000 when 90% of them are subclinical and just because a function of testing and in a flu season, we're at 30, 40 per 100,000 and those, they're coming in for the flu, not just because they're being tested because we don't test asymptomatic. We don't test a pregnant woman for a flu shot if she's not complaining about it because she's giving birth, right? What are we gonna do even if we have a mild flu season? They're going to suddenly discover that, yeah, in the worst weeks of even a mild flu season, any ER doctor will tell you it gets pretty busy. Here we are. Mike DeWine. While the flu can be deadly on its own, we also are concerned that Ohio- Ohioans who get both who got get both the flu and COVID at the same time could be severely, if not fatally ill. So now he's creating this like new science of like, the flu together with COVID. <laughs> but again, like it's like saying in their mind, it's like saying you get stage four pancreatic cancer with a, a, with a paper cut, right? They're saying, how dare you? The, the flu, you're comparing this to the flu. This is a million times worse than the flu. Oh, but if you get the flu together with this, it's going to be a, a like super duper. See what I mean? They're using the fact that we were right all along against us. Governor Tom Wolf. The CDC recommends getting a flu shot by October. Not only will it protect you from the flu, it will also keep people out of the hospital for flu-related illnesses. So they suddenly discover this. Oh, Daniel, those are only liberal governors, like Gavin Newsom. Nope. Texas governor, Greg, uh, something that rhymes with Abbott. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that. As flu season approaches... The state of Texas is working closely with medical experts, state legislators, and state agency heads to develop protective strategies that will reduce the spread of the flu in the midst of the pandemic. So now you could stop the flu. Now, now, now we have the ability to prevent the flu and, and an imperative, a need to prevent the flu. Doug Duncy. Influenza season is here. We take this seriously every year, but with health resources focused on COVID, preventing the flu is more important than ever. See, I was saying all along, you could prevent COVID just as much as you can prevent a cold or flu, which means you can't. Believe me, I wish I had the ability to prevent it. I use my voice so much. It's, it's annoying as anything getting a cold. By the way, I'm getting another one too because the baby is always has something and is blowing my face. And even if you want to tell me, Daniel, well, maybe you had COVID. Well, this is like my third cold since this started. So even if one of them was, it can't be all three. People do get colds, you know. But rather than me shaking my fist at God and like, how dare you ruin my voice and make me go on radio and and do my podcast with a sore throat. 
It turns out it's a blessing because as studies have now shown, adults that have have uh, young kids that are more recently, more often exposed to coronaviruses, they have that cross immunity as well from the kids. <laughs> so we've come full circle where we are now actually making kids sicker by keeping them apart. Ironically, the teachers that get, they, they get the colds, they don't really get coronavirus from kids that much, but they get other colds. That's actually a good thing. They're better off than people who are not around kids. We're taking God's blessing and we're destroying it. This is the sick country we now live in. Republican politicians, they are just as much a part of the COVID cult as Democrats. Republican politicians are almost as engrossed in the BLM agenda, certainly praising them, as the Democrats are. And that's why we have Putnam County, West Virginia, locked down. Lancaster. They feel they can go and riot. And the answer is because people like you and me and all of us have not done enough to stop this. I'm sick of this. How much more do you need to see that you cannot politely wish this to go away? I'll wear my mask. I'll, I'll, I'll abuse my children and put a mask on them. Okay, go to school. Let's just get through this. You will be doing this for the remainder of your life. That is an incontrovertible fact. It is a mathematical fact. By the baseline that they are now creating, there is no way we will ever have a lower level of, meaning, because even if, if this virus is completely eradicated, meaning even in its trace form, which is going to take a very long time, now they have opened the door and are openly saying it, they're going to do it for other respiratory viruses as well. So you will never get a respite from this for the rest of your life. Oh, this year is masks. No, every year is. Fauci's even openly saying this is until the end of 2021, which of course means forever. I mean, if he's openly even now saying it's going to be another year, when initially it was 15 days, this is going to be 15 centuries to flatten our country. And all the while, Sweden is sitting pretty. They literally have, like, on average, less than one death a day, like five a week. The fewest cases in all of Europe. Their mental health is intact. Their children are intact. Their education. No excess deaths from other untreated healthcare, cancer, heart disease, strokes. Suicides, drug overdoses. You know, by the way, um, this doctor in, um, he was the head of GBMC, uh, uh, Greater Baltimore uh, Medical Center. It's in Towson, Maryland. Um, one of the main hospitals here. So this, this ER doctor, he was talking about how um, the safe nurses are busy now. SAFE, those are basically the rape nurses, the, the nurses that treat uh, the, the people that come in horrifically right after a, a you know sexual assault, and they are very busy. So it's inducing more of that. I mean, the domestic violence is just untenable. It's not just because people are home more. It's, it's the, you make people so riled up 
you you destroy them. Imagine if you have mental illness is a serious problem and it comes with a lot of issues. If you make an entire country mentally ill, well, you cannot even begin to imagine. Imagine if we had a dashboard of every suicide, drug overdose, sexual assault, domestic violence encounter. And by the way, what's happening is now you have all these BLM dudes, these career criminals that are now doing these domestic assaults coming full circle to the Lancaster. What do you think the police encountered the guy about? It was a, it was a domestic assault. He comes out with a knife and then now we have riots. So there we are, Sodom and Gomorrah coming full circle. But of course, the courts will let out the criminals. The courts are saying illegal aliens have to be counted in the census. But, nope. When churches go to court to have a right to pray, businesses right to uh, open, pursuit of happiness, property rights. When we go to court to try to just breathe free air without a bacteria and viral conduit trap on our face, which will actually spread the virus even more. Nope. Talk to the hand, buddy. You don't have a right. I say this all to demonstrate that we have this going on in places where you have above you. Okay, let's say you're in Putnam County, um, West Virginia. You have Republican county officials. You have Republican state legislators. You have Republican governor. You have a Republican president. Where is the excuse? Stop pinning your hopes on random elections. Start getting involved every day at a community level. Organize groups of people to say, are you upset? If someone's not with you, go move on to the next person. Hang up the phone. It's not worth debating. There's enough who are with us. Get them together. Remember, the Karens are able to do this with five, ten people. We have more people than that. You got to organize. You got to get together. We're going to be talking about more, more and more how to do this this week with grassroots activism. We have to say no. Because frankly, we have no other choice. Send me your comments, questions, concerns, your ideas on how to do this. dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at armconservative. Join our Facebook fan pages, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary, or our private page, Miniman Speakeasy. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. May God keep us safe. May God keep us free. <laughs>